Chris Watkin here, joined by Alex Pelosky Buchanan, who is a very well-known estate agent from Monmouthshire, which is the other side of the uh, Bristol Channel um, in Wales. And thank you for joining me today, Alex. Thank um, you for having me. You are reasonably well-known on the estate agency circuit by being a prominent Guild estate agent. You work for Archer & Co, which are, again, a good estate agency in that part of the world. Um, and you're quite prolific on your social media. Today, I want to talk to you about your story as an estate agent, the ups and downs, the trials and tribulations, um, and what's worked for you and what hasn't. So people watching this, the estate and letting agents in the estate and letting agency land can learn from your mistakes and also your successes. Is that okay? That's perfect. Good stuff. So um, growing up as a child, did you want to be an estate agent? Uh, no, uh, I think like many people, um, it was something that I kind of fell into. Um, I always enjoyed property programs growing up, but it was never where I saw myself going. Okay. Uh, so in, wh when did you leave school? Uh, so I left school after sixth form. Um, what year was that? Uh, that was 2007, 2008. Uh, but at the time I was in a band and very much that was kind of, that's where we were heading. That was my focus, unfortunately. Uh, so you're born in around 1990, 1991? Uh, yeah. 88, actually. 88, yeah. yeah. And you were in a band and you just thought, yeah, yeah. we should go. Uh, I mean, what did you play? Uh, drums. Good but, stuff. But I, uh, I flunked my A-levels. I still came out with two, but um, didn't want to go to university. That was never my bag. I was never very academic. So obviously finished A-levels and pretty much my parents said, look, you're not just going to sit around doing nothing. Okay. Were you an only child? Uh, no, I got a brother. Younger or older? Uh, a little bit younger, yeah. Okay. Um, did you say you flunked your A-levels? Well, not flunked. I, I, to be honest, I was focusing on music and I wasn't really, when it came to revising, uh, I don't think I put as much effort as I should have done. Were you disappointed with your A-level results? Uh, not really. I mean, I had, a, like I said, I had a fantastic time with the education side of things. And um, in terms of, um, I came away with an A-level in history which I, got a, I think I got a B for, so that, I was quite proud of that. And uh, I got a D in biology, which might not sound great, but considering my uh, tutor was expecting me to get a U, uh, even he was flabbergasted how I managed to pull it off. So, but uh, yeah, only leaving with those two. Obviously, it didn't leave many opportunities uh, to go to university, but I okay. didn't want to do that. Uh, your mum and dad, what, what professions were they in? And what, um... uh, uh, well, my mum, she, uh, she'd always had a bit of a sales kind of background. They used to be landlords when I was born, but then when they moved up to Wales, um, my mum used to sell books, um, so she'd always be out on the road. What, um, those firms that used to drop the books into the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but, you know, in a way I used to sit there, because she used to sit there having to prospect. You know, she'd have a little flip, uh, a little, her little box that she would go through and um, you know so I was used to, and sometimes I'd go with her as well so she had to go into the schools and I can remember days where she'd turn up with all these books and get there and then they turn around and say oh actually we can't see you now so again you know watch to kind of deal with the rejection of you know make, making that big journey to go and visit a school to then get turned away uh, and my dad was a transport manager uh, which is actually how I got my first job at school because he managed to get me a job for uh, a recruitment agent's um, that he used to get lorry drivers from and pretty much started out making tea. Uh, that was very much and kind of a bit of admin and then an opportunity arose to actually kind of get on the phones and that's probably my first taste of um, kind of building relationships with clients. So your mum taught you selling? Yeah, to a degree, yeah. 
and your father, the father taught you what? My father, I think my father was, he's always been a very patient man. And I think, um, you know, and he, was, he had a good work ethic. He used to work long hours um, and, uh, you know, he just wanted to get the job done. And I kind of got that from him, um, seeing him kind of throw himself in, into, into what he did. So I guess I kind of naturally, that was always when I went to work, I was always the one who would be there early. I'd always be the one that would be there late. Uh, and even now, you know, I'm still sometimes there on my laptop later into the evenings, um, making sure I get everything done before the end of the day. So you left, you left sixth form, you went into working for a transport firm. Yep. How long were you there for? Uh, only about, probably about a year, about 18 months maybe. Um, and then an opportunity came up to play drums for a different band. Um, we went off on a 10-day or 12-day tour around uh, the UK on a big tour bus. So that was kind of like, obviously at that age, I was about 18, 19 at the time. I'd be stupid to turn it down, and, but it did mean leaving work. Um, and then I had to go back to part-time work after that. So I, I ended up working in a, in a video game store, which I thoroughly enjoyed. A couple of mates worked there. It was, it was a good laugh. Um, but, um, but then I think, I can remember, I think it was my mum once said, to me, she came in and said she'd found a, an advert in the local newspaper for, for a, a corporate firm uh, in the town just up from us that was looking for a sales negotiator. And she said, oh, I think you'd be great at that. Why don't you give it a go? And I what thought, year was this? Uh, this would have been 2000, 2009, 2010, I think. Okay, so we were still in the credit crunch. Yeah. Okay, so was that an independent or a corporate estate? Uh, corporate. So, well, they referred to themselves as a, as a large independent, but it was a corporate. Um, okay, um, so you went to the interview? Yep. You like what you saw? Uh, yeah, obviously they laid out, obviously, the, the possibilities and the, the opportunities that they, they kind of laid out, which was, uh, obviously, imagine as a, as a, as a, as a probably 19, 20-year-old at the time. Uh, it sounded like a great opportunity, possibly cars on, on the agenda, so I thought, great, fantastic. Um, but, um, and I can remember, you know, very much my first day was I turned up and they were like, right, there's your key, there's your diary, off you go. Um, and I could no have, training? Well, there was a, a little bit of guidance, but they, they were, they were, what key. was this, viewings? Uh, yeah, so it was like a sales and go to doing viewings. Uh, but I can remember turning up my first viewing and not really knowing what to do. And all I could think back to was Martin Robertson, Holmes and the Hammer. So pretty much just kind of copied what he did. Um, but then got some good feedback from clients, which I think explains my probably wavy hands, because I do wave my hands a lot. But uh, that's something I, th I think that, um, you know, I got good feedback from clients, so I just carried on doing it. And, but I very quickly got frustrated there because the setup was whoever registered the applicant um, would get the sale. So I was out all the time, so I couldn't be in the office to register the applicants. So the other girl in the office was getting all the, say, well, that's her sale because she registered them, even though I was the one that matched them and took them to see the property and negotiated the sale, I wouldn't get anything. Um, um, but at the same time, I think I was, uh, how do we say it, enjoying my early 20s a little bit too much. Unfortunately, just things, I think there was a bit of friction and things didn't quite work out. So uh, we ended up parting ways with that corporate uh, and ended up going back to working uh, in the video game store. Okay. Um, so, uh, but very quickly again, working there, Obviously, the money went from being here to on a four-hour contract, and um, I can remember walking uh, through the town. I think it was on my way to get some lunch, and the firm that um, there was an agent had been open for about probably about twelve months, and they were kind of a, they were a proper independent with a couple of branches. Um, they're not around anymore, but it was, company, it was a company called Roberts, and they just opened up um, this branch in Abergavenny where I lived. And I just thought I walked past. I don't know what possessed me, but I just thought. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll just go in. 
and I walked in and the old financial advisor from the corporate was sat on the front desk. And at first I thought, oh God, this isn't good. Um, but then I got chatting with him and I said, do you know if they're looking for anybody? And he said, yeah, funny enough, they're on about, they're ready now for a sales neg and pretty much had an interview that later that week. Started the following week and yeah, I was in that building for the next eight years pretty much. So, uh, so yeah, it was just a, a chance just going in and just asking for the, for do, you the think a lot, do you think a lot of agents are, would be scared to go and knock on the door? Uh, probably not. I mean, it's something I think we, you know, we should be used to kind of yeah. rejection. I know we should be, but yeah. do you think, I mean, most, most valuers are not very good at door knocking. So knocking on the door of an estate agent saying, gives a job. Well, I mean, we, I mean, we've seen. I mean, we've got a, a lady that's just started with us uh, back last year called Lisa. She just come over from from South Africa. Um, no real background to saying she did a little bit of mortgages in South Africa. But what I loved about her was she came in and just asked, were there any jobs around the time we were looking for someone? And she's got that right mindset. And even though she didn't have the experience, she she's absolutely golden. Um, so I think it's all about having that mindset that you just going and ask. I mean, what's the, what's the worst that could happen? They just say, no, we're not looking for anyone. Maybe they'll keep hold of a CV. But I think that, you know, especially if there are agents out there frustrated, you know, I think um, something that we've recently adopted is that, you know, I think we should always be recruiting and we should always be keeping out for, for talent. Because you've just gone from one bunch to four in a period of about a year, 18 months. 18 months, yeah. So, uh, so, so, so that, was, that, that was an interesting, um, it wasn't, wasn't the plan. Um, you know, we very much went into um, lockdown. I mean, I joined in 2019 at Archer & Co um, as, just as a sales valuer. And there was basically, I think, six or seven of us in total. And then maybe, uh, I think there's one other viewing specialist who would be out doing viewings. And um, yeah, so obviously along came the pandemic. Um, and myself, Joe and Jill carried on working through, which I think did us some favours because we ended up, I think, with about two dozen properties ready to list because we were still doing virtual valuations throughout lockdown. Obviously, there was lots of opportunities where other agents shut. So we were speaking to their clients. So we came out the gates. You know, and it was a, obviously 2020 was a hell of a year. And okay. well, let's come back to that because we want to bring it back to, okay. to, to where you were. So you were at Roberts for eight years. Yep. Can you remember the first time they sent you out an evaluation? Uh, yeah, I can, I can remember. It was pretty much obviously a bit of shadowing. Um, but I think very much the valuing back at that stage was very much go out, talk about your market share, you know, fees 1%. The property will go online, um, and that was it. And have a, just have a chat with them, and you know I did well. But I think for me, um, I think I, could, I think the biggest eye opener was when we went on a training session. Uh, I think it was with Julian O'Dell, and I very much thought, you know, at that point, yeah, you know, I'm a great valuer. Uh, but actually, when you went to this training session, it was quite an eye opener actually. When they were telling about, obviously, Julian was talking about building rapport and how to how to conduct the valuation and structure. And I came away from it thinking, there's so much more to this. And it kind of fascinated me. And I remember going away and writing loads of notes down and kind of went in and put that in place. And, um, you know, that was my first, I think probably the first stage I actually realised I'm not beyond learning. I think it's very easy to think that you're... That's quite, that's quite an eye-opener because mo most valuers, employed valuers, just expect it given to them on the plate. They won't even pay for their own uh, training. No. And, you know, we were lucky enough that, you know, Julian came down and gave the whole company a training. But I know that there was people in that room that left there going, I am being told how to suck eggs. And that was the attitude. And I think that's the difference. Whereas I was a bit like a sponge. And I was, I suppose, being fresh into the industry and, and still young, I kind of, I suppose, in a way, I was just open to learning. And I wanted to do more. And I loved the job. So I thought, whatever I can do to better it, um, I'll give it a go. 
You said you got to 2018 and the business started to split and there was a point where you were nearly tracked it all in, wasn't there? Yeah, I think I got to a point where um, the directors of Roberts basically split and there was two companies. I stayed in Abergavenny and it rebranded. And at first I was quite excited by it all um, because obviously it, was, it felt very new. But after a while it felt that nothing really changed, even though it had all changed. Nothing, everything was very much still the same. And, you know, I did enjoy working there, but, you know, I was comfortable. I was living in a flat just down the road and then I bought a house. And I think it was only when I bought a property with my obviously now wife, um, Obviously, living costs went up, and all of a sudden, I found I was in a situation where I could barely pay to put fuel in the car. I was putting everything on credit cards. I couldn't afford to go out and buy anything. I felt like I couldn't treat my wife to anything. We couldn't go for food, and it made me miserable. And I was to the point where I literally felt there was nowhere to go, and I, I went on a few interviews, but just couldn't find something that was right. Um, was it the right firm or the right money or both? Um, I mean, were you being underpaid at the... The rebranded Roberts? I would say, I mean, obviously looking back, probably yes. I think for what I did, considering um, I pretty much my average earnings from when I started to where I was were pretty much the same, even though I was doing viewings, valuations, listings, floor plans. Um, obviously, bits you of went sales in as a neg, though, didn't you? Yeah, so went in as neg, but then and you went to, came out as a valuer. Yeah, uh, and but then ended up being assistant branch manager, so I got like the, the extra title. But again, but the take-home pay was the same. Pretty much, it might have been a little bit more, but considering obviously the time I was there and. You know, I had approached the conversation around money, but unfortunately there was, there was at the time there was nothing they, they felt they could do. So yeah, obviously I started looking elsewhere, um, almost fell back into working for another independent corporate. Um, but again, the more that I spoke with the area manager, the more he started saying things that I knew just wasn't me, talking about tying people with long contracts, the way to win businesses to overvalue. And I was just like, no, this, this, isn't, this isn't for me. And I thought, do I change? And I actually ended up, Initially, I'd taken the job, but then as time went on just before starting, I thought, no, this isn't right. I, I, can't, I can't do this. So I actually ended up staying. But then, uh, yeah, but then along came the opportunity at Archer & Co. So it was kind of good timing. At the, even and Joe's was, the boss there, isn't he? He is, yeah. Okay, what did you like about Joe? Uh, I think the fact that he's um, young. I mean, obviously, he's kind of mid to late 30s, you know, similar to me. And I think just his ethos on things and that he's not... He's, he, he's not against trying new things. I think where I was before, I mean, for instance, one of the first things, uh, the first videos I came across with yourself was you did a six-part series with Paul Long about Facebook ads. That was where I first wow, came Wow, that was a long time ago. It was, yeah. So this was 2018, I think it was, and I, I watched all the videos. I even made a whole uh, um, plan or a whole program on, on, on how to create adverts. And I went to my old employer and said, look, look I've come up with this, and I think we, this could work really well for us. And they were like, oh, no, I don't know. And I suppose that was another factor in me wanting to look elsewhere. With, with Joe, what I love the fact is that I can say to him, I want to do this. And he goes, yeah, let's try it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I think that's been a big difference. And I think having that kind of environment where you feel like you can openly share your ideas without them kind of being shot down. What would your message be to any listeners or valuers who feel that they're being kept back by a boss similar to what you had at, at Roberts? Um, I just think that, um, you know, if you're in a situation where you are feeling that, um, whether it be trapped or frustrated, um, then do something about it. I think that if you, if you do nothing, you'll still be in the same situation you are now. And that's the one thing I think it took me 
although waiting actually paid off in the end for me. So I can't say that jumping at every opportunity is the right thing to do. But, um, but I think, you know, if you are frustrated, I think just do something about it because otherwise you're going to be still sat there unhappy and feeling frustrated. So, uh, yeah, I definitely recommend uh, just seeing what opportunities are out there. Earlier on, you talked about COVID hitting the business. Mm. You were still only a one branch network yeah. then. Okay. Let's go into a bit more detail there. What would you have done differently? Because you were sales manager, so you're number two in the firm, I assume. Yeah, well, that came after COVID. So I went in as, as a kind of sales value, but um, because I worked all the way through, I didn't want to be furloughed. I was like, keep me on. And Joe agreed. And so I, uh, my, between myself, Joe and Jill, we pretty much kept all our clients up to date. You know, we were speaking as often as, uh, as possible. Um, but I actually ended up doing some different stuff. I actually ended up, uh, John Hanford that you had on the sofa a few weeks ago, uh, he did uh, John's Daily Dose of Positive News, which I think, again, I think you took part in, and that kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone a bit, so that wasn't... Those wigs. Yeah, the wigs, yeah. So, but again, you know, having a bit of fun with it, I think there was a slightly different element to video rather than something that was always very serious. It was something a bit fun. And, uh, yeah, I ended up interviewing a couple of local businesses as well over Zoom during lockdown about how they were getting on, so that put us quite well out in the community. Um, what I do differently... I don't know because I think we, we we I think we did the right thing. We carried on, like I said, you know, by not just sitting around drinking beer and thinking, well, that you know, we'll just wait for the call to come back. Um, we were doing, like I said, virtual valuations. Um, ended up with two dozen listings ready to uh, hit the market with. So when we came out of lockdown, we kind of hit the ground running. Um, so yeah, I don't think there would have been anything I would have done. Perhaps just uh, maybe 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 not eat as much <laughs> during it. Indeed, yeah. I was <laughs> guilty of that myself. Um, in 2020, you, you extended with, with two more branches. Yeah. Was that a purchase or was that just organic? Uh, no, it was an opportunity came up in a kind of a neighboring town to us. Um, there was two businesses that Joe uh, acquired, um, but we combined them into, into one office. So that enabled us to kind of spread out. And, and for a good while, I was valuing between the two branches. Um, but that branch took off, which was, which was great to see. And then very quickly followed after that. We had another opportunity arise in Ross and Wine, uh, which was uh, our first, if, if you will, office in England, heading into Herefordshire. Um, so again, that was a good opportunity to get into that market. And again, that office has grown. And then only then recently, we've uh, taken on a fourth office. And, in, and amongst all that, we've also had two self-employed associates um, come and work for the model. So we've got both employed and self-employed um, agents working under the Arch & Co umbrella. The self-employed model, what made you go down that route? Um, I think it was obviously the opportunity to open up into an area where you didn't necessarily need a high street branch. And um, and I think it's it, it's really worked a treat in, in an area where nobody else was doing that. I think it was certainly something that's worked well. Um, we've got Jack in Newport and Zara in the Forest of Dean. And, you know, it suits their lifestyles. It suits them. And they're both very good agents. And um, And Jack, for instance... I think he joined us, I think it was the first, it was the day before lockdown, was this, but he'd left an employee job and his first uh, day was literally the first day of lockdown with us. Um, so not, not great timing, um, but fair play to Jack because, of, again, that work ethic. He spent the whole lockdown writing letters to every home that was on the market in his area. So there was a couple of agents just shut. So for the three months they were shut, they probably had three, four, five different letters off Jack. So again, he built up a pipeline of people. So when the market did finally reopen, they switched straight to him. So he came out the gates flying. And though, I know you don't manage them, but do, do the self-employed agents 
talk to you or talk to Joe? Uh, both of us. I mean, very much my kind of role came to you know, kind of help them where I could. But obviously, I was very busy with valuing and everything myself. Um, but, um, you know, we, we would hold meetings, uh, little training sessions. Because so. how do you motivate someone that you can't tell someone what to do? In terms of motivate, I think the best thing to do is obviously just being, um, if we're in touch with each other, doing things like video, for instance. Um, that was a big thing for us because um, I was very much the first one that did it. Um, and, you know, as soon as we started seeing the results from them, they weren't overly keen to do it to start with. But then it was great seeing them slowly doing it and them getting the results from it. So kind of, I suppose, just, just trying to be that um, person leading the way a little bit. Uh, which I think um, definitely, like I said, obviously it helped us in the business and was probably a big factor in us growing. How do you balance the fact that you're both a sales manager and a valuer at the same time? Um, I mean, pretty much the sales manager valuer role was kind of much for muchness. So it was a kind of, um, it's the same kind of thing in, in the business. So I was initially just doing um, sales manager for Chepstow and valuing. So I was kind of looking after the branch and doing that, but the role kind of evolved as we took on more branches to overseeing the kind of Arch and Co element within those offices. Um, and yeah, it's a lot to manage. It is a lot to manage. Um, and it's kind of hard to get better time management. It's probably one of my worst traits is time management. But, um, but just, like I said, with time, it's just, and I enjoy it. And it did mean later nights and it did mean earlier mornings. And because you only just got married in 19, didn't yes, you? Yes, yeah, yeah. How, what? How would you do things differently with what you know now with regard to taking, being a valuer but also being responsible for the sales? Um, I think probably in multiple branches. Yeah, I mean, I think probably spending a bit more time with them. I mean, it was very difficult at the end of 2020 because we, when we took on the two branches and started employing, uh, it was around the same time when the second lockdowns came in. So we, we didn't want to cross pollinate. So whereas normally I would have probably said, I'll go and spend more time in those branches. In hindsight, whether I still would have perhaps should have done that a bit more, but it was all the way through the fear of if we cross pollinated or what if two offices went down. Um, but probably in hindsight, probably should have spent a bit more time with those new offices. Um, but again, it's just lessons in learning, really. And how do you motivate someone that you can't necessarily be there all the time with? I think just being on, like I said, just I suppose it, you can be there in other ways. Like I said, we do um, every Wednesday, for instance, we do, we've got a half hour of power meeting, we call it, which I came up with, which every Wednesday at 10, we all come on to a chat, uh, everyone on Zoom, and I'll normally discuss a topic. It might be about how to book a market appraisal, how to search for an opportunity, how to book a viewing. It would be something about um, uh, how to have better conversations. So trying to, and then I'd send those slides out afterwards. And, you know, people always used to feedback that, yeah, it was really good. I like that. I'm going to take that away. So that was kind of only half an hour. Again, you know, that isn't enough. You know, we should have been able to do more. But again, uh, with the market the way it was, it was just, it was great. I mean, some days I was still doing five valuations a day on as well as everything else so um it, it, it's been a bit of a roller coaster but things have calmed down a little bit now which is uh which is quite welcomed and where do you see your future in Archer and co um well like i said i think um obviously me and joe obviously i think joe's um you He's know decent was, lad he is and I, I like I, him and i think that what I've always liked about him is that the fact that he will allow me, like I said, he's allowed me to get involved in things without kind of really having to ask me. And I've always been a person where I always feel like I should be doing better and more. So I kind of naturally kind of evolved into these little roles and doing more and taking on and asking for things to do. Um, so, uh, so yeah, you know, I'd like, I see myself pretty much embedded in Archer and Co now and I'm looking, I'm excited to, to grow it further. I don't think there's anything immediately on the cards, but obviously who knows where the future yeah. lies, but I see, see myself being a, 
a very integral part of that so uh, in, in the coming years. Thank you for your time today. No, thank you very much, Chris. Cheers. Thank <laughs> you.